Hey there, friend. I'm Susan, and this is the Spark Chasers podcast, a series dedicated to the educational changemakers who embrace creativity, seek out challenges, and collaborate on solutions. This is a show for any educator looking to explore the creative side in the classroom, business, and life. So grab a cup of caffeine, your favorite flare pen, and let's chat about what's now and what could be next. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of Spark Chasers. I'm Susan Riley, your host, and I have a question for you. Have you found yourself wondering how to make your instruction more engaging this year? My bet is you're probably going to say yes, right? Um, Because, and the way I know that is because I get questions about this almost on the daily, right? It's so common that I get asked this question about how do I make my instruction more engaging? How do I get kids to respond? Particularly now in the time of virtual slash hybrid slash in-person. How many of you have had the experience of a student turning off their camera and it feels like suddenly they have completely disengaged from your world, whether or not they actually have, right? So partially because we've all experienced virtual learning and we know that students can tune out quickly, this is a conversation we've been having much more often. And I also think this is a question that we're starting to really bring to the surface because we're all getting tired of presenting lessons in the same old way. So today I'm going to share a a core set of ideas that help me to make my classroom addicting to students, right? So whether it's with a class of second graders over Zoom doing an arts integration lesson or in our online conferences for adult participants, the way that I craft a learning experience is intentional and strategic. And I'm going to tell you it's oftentimes different then I would normally, quote unquote, normally create a lesson. Now, one of the things that I learned using these core ideas that I'm going to share today is that um, once I started to use them, I wanted to use them everywhere. And so it ended up really impacting my face-to-face instruction as well. And my classroom looked completely different than everybody else's classroom, which was okay, right? Uh, because my students were constantly learning, engaged, they're on task. And so I want you to hear me that while a lot of what I'm going to share today is going to be helpful for for you if you're in virtual or hybrid learning experiences with your students right now, you can and should take these same core ideas and maybe with a few modifications, use them in your face-to-face instruction as well. Because today we're going to be talking about how to leverage media arts to create engaging classrooms. Now, one thing I do want to mention very briefly before we get started is that these strategies connect really well with STEAM. So if you're not familiar with STEAM, it is an acronym that means science, technology, engineering, the arts, and mathematics. Now, if that's an approach you're interested in, definitely check out our Design to STEAM online course. Uh, It comes with 25 PD hours, accredited CEUs, and lifetime access. That, combined with today's episode, is going to help you get well on your way to creating incredible learning opportunities for your students. So with that said, let's dig in. 
Now, one thing that I want to start with in terms of thinking about how do we create engaging classrooms? What does engagement mean? There's lots of different resources out there about engagement. We I've linked in our show notes to previous things we've talked about in terms of engaging students. And that is thinking about it in terms of are you looking for something more than just compliance? Or are you looking to have students just do what you're asking them to do? Which one means engagement for you? Because that's going to determine how you look at this whole process, right? For me, I don't want students just to comply with what I'm asking them to do. While that's nice, what I really want them to be doing with engagement is to take what I'm teaching them and to be learning and applying and asking questions and actively participating in um, a dialogue, a conversation, so that we can all grow and benefit from that. For me, that's what engagement looks like. And so that definition of engagement for me allows my students to, yeah, participate in Socratic discussion, but also participate in hands-on projects and to have independent work time where they're learning and reading and trying to decipher and writing annotation. That is all a part of engagement for me in my classroom. So the first part you want to ask is, what does engagement look like? in your classroom. And then I want us to think about the fact that we really don't have to reinvent the wheel here. (laughs) Um, There is something out there right now that is so engaging, it sucks up four to six hours of our lives each and every day. You have an idea of what it is? Social media. Social media, uh, on average, People in the world spend between four and six hours per day on various social media platforms. And you got to remember, social media platforms can consist of anything from YouTube videos to Facebook to Instagram. There's so many different platforms out there. But when we're thinking about this, right, that's mind blowing to me, right? That's, That's a half a day to perhaps a full day of school people are spending on social media platforms. And that, my friend, is intentional on the part of social media uh, companies, right? They do that on purpose. They build their platforms in order to be addictive, right? So that you spend more time on there. They are constantly looking for ways in which to keep you on their platform. And so they all have different ways of doing that of ways of keeping us online and coming back. I have often said in the last six months in particular uh, that I would love to see social media shut down in, in, in total for just, you know, three months. Let's start with three months. Let's shut it all down for three months and see what happens. And you can't, the only way you get news is with a physical newspaper from like, the AP, the Associated Press. (laughs) And the only way you can have conversations is with people, with other people around you and in your local community and having those discussions, right? Because it takes away the algorithms that constantly feed you to be staying on those platforms. I think that would be a nice break for all of us. But on the flip side of that, I like to look at how do these companies do this and how can I use that same kind of idea to make my classroom 
addictive, to make it a place where my students want to come and where they want to be with others and they want to be engaged and they know that they're going to have fun. And it's not something that they're dreading. It's something that they're really looking forward to and they can't wait to get in there. That is what I'm looking for in terms of social media. They've already done all this work, right? Why do we need to reinvent the wheel? So let's think about that for a minute, right? Why do we spend so much time on various social media platforms? Because it's sticky. So let's think about some of the big platforms out there and what their stickiness formula is. All right. So if we look at Facebook, for example, for those of you, and let's let's put a caveat in this. No matter how you feel about these platforms, whether you think that they are good or bad, or if you think that they uh, suppress um, you know, First Amendment speech rights or not. Um, if no matter where your political stance is on them, I'm looking at these platforms simply from the perspective of what do they do to keep people there and keep them engaged? Because those are the things that I want my students to be doing with me as I'm teaching them content, right? <laughs> right? So Facebook, their stickiness formula is relationships, plus curiosity, plus entertainment. Those are the big three for Facebook. So if a content provider, if a platform, if a person, a celebrity, anybody, if they are leveraging one of those three things, the Facebook algorithm is going to kick that into people's feeds because those are the three things that they have identified their users stay on for relationships. So seeing more of your friends in your feed, more of what they're up to, their that scrapbook, the way that Facebook started, right? The idea of, you know, having your friends list, that relationships piece. All right. Um, so having peers Groups is another big one in Facebook that they're pushing lately, if you've noticed that. And I have, and it's centered around people who are like you, who have similar interests and you want to be able to learn from, right? So that is, those are relationship component. Curiosity. So curiosity is where the ads platform comes in and they're they're kicking in your the ads. You know, we all get annoyed with the ads in our feed, but those are ads that Facebook has has identified that could possibly pique your curiosity, um, that may be something that you want to see, right? Uh, or that you're interested in currently. So if you're shopping for a car and suddenly, oh, this might make you curious to go check out Carvana, right? That That's a different experience than what maybe going to a dealership would be like. So anything that, that piques curiosity is going to be something that keeps you on the platform longer. Like, hmm, what was that about? And then, of course, entertainment. So this is where their Facebook watch came in or the Facebook lives that people do. So uh, these stories, these ideas that of entertaining each other, the more entertaining it is, the longer people watch, right? The longer people stay on. And so there's a lot of math involved in terms of how much of this gets thrown into your feed. But those are the three pieces to make their sticky formula in Facebook, relationships, curiosity, and entertainment. Now, Twitter, if we look at the Twitter social media platform, their formula is very different. Their formula is fast updates and limited character count. So because you can't rant on Twitter for a very long time, unless you're doing multiple tweets in a row, um, 
you have a limited space in which to say what it is you want to say. And it goes very, very quickly. I know a lot of people who love Twitter for that feature. And I know a lot of people who hate Twitter for that feature, that it goes very, very fast. So it attracts a different kind of person, somebody who enjoys having up to the minute, latest updates, those kinds of things at their fingertips. Okay. Instagram. Instagram's stickiness formula is a visual focus and fear of missing out. So um, when you take away, when you shed the words and instead use pictures to express what it is that you're thinking, you're feeling, um, all of that. And then the captions are secondary. Captions are important in, in Instagram, but it's kind of secondary. So they, they use the visual focus as something that provides stickiness, right? Because people will scroll. They will literally use that scrolling motion for a long time if they're bored, right? Just to be able to see stuff right? And then the fear of missing out, FOMO. That's where stories come into play because they disappear after 24 hours. Um, And so if you don't see it right away, you're going to miss whatever updates somebody sent out. Okay. TikTok. TikTok is video-based plus entertainment. So looking at those two sticky, that's their sticky formula, using video. Video is something that's very engaging for humans in general. Uh, and the entertainment factor. Does it make you laugh? Does it make you cry? Does it something that you are like, it's you want to share with other people, right? Those two are that is the sticky formula for TikTok. And then there's a new one out called Clubhouse. And this is where there's no visuals at all. It's all audio driven. So their sticky formula right now is audio plus fear of missing out. So when you go into Clubhouse, everything is via a voice recording, right? So you can talk to each other, kind of like walkie talkies almost, but um, there's, there's no visual to it. And so you can listen and lots of people like to use their auditory skills, particularly think about podcasting, right? That that took off because people like to listen to things. So their formula is using audio only and fear of missing out and some exclusivity because you need an invitation in order to get on to Clubhouse right now. And like people are begging for those invitations. And then, in, and there's this fear of, oh my gosh, all of my friends are now on Clubhouse and I'm not there. So am I missing something, right? There's that stickiness formula for them. So if we're gonna look at these platforms, right, that have already invested billions of dollars in figuring out what makes something engaging engaging for humans and think about how can i leverage that in my classroom it's important to remember what makes those platforms different and how each of them has a sticky formula i want you to think about that because you need to be thinking about your sticky formula for your classroom Now, social media is one form of media. There are many, many others, but let's start there and work backwards into ways that we can use media as a whole to make our learning sticky. Now, remember, you're trying to think about what's going to be my sticky formula. How am I going to create a sticky classroom of learning for my students, right? So number one, leverage the tools that students use. Do not be afraid of the apps, the social media, or the websites that students are already using outside of school. Be a curious 
learner, right? Bring them in whenever possible and use them with your lessons or for your lessons, if at all possible. This is going to do a couple of things. One, it's going to push you out of your comfort zone. I can't tell you how many times that a new social media platform has come along or a new site has come along and students have taught me that platform and it's intimidating as heck, right? Like, I don't know what I'm doing and you're like pushing all these buttons and I'm going, oh my gosh, how do we use this? Slow down a minute, right? We've all been there. But number one, it automatically invests your students because it allows them to one, show something that they're interested in, two, know that you value what their experience is, you value having them be a part of their learning experience, and that builds trust and relationships with your students. And also, by you asking them to help teach you and navigate some of those platforms, um, it builds a bond with your students and they see you as a lifelong learner, which as educators, we are. You know, if we think we have to know everything or that we already know everything, that's a big pet peeve of mine. We shouldn't be educators because we should be modeling lifelong learning for our students. So this is a great opportunity to do that. Um, and yeah, some of those things are going to fly, you know, in and out. And so do you need to spend a lot of time on those apps and learning those things? No, but bring them in and allow your students to be a part of that conversation. Um, it makes it relevant. It makes it engaging and it gives them some ownership in there. Number two, do what artists do. Now, artists look at current conventions and think about what they can pull from the core idea and then create something new with it, okay? So use this same process for building sticky learning experiences. And that's exactly what I'm asking you to do with that social media formula, that stickiness formula. Look at what is making those platforms successful and how can I use that in my classroom? So for example, how could I use relationships, curiosity, and entertainment in my classroom? Now, I don't want to entertain my students all day long, you know, throughout every single lesson all the time. My job is not that of an entertainer. I am a teacher. I am a facilitator of learning, right? But I can bring entertainment into that process occasionally where it makes a good fit. I can uh, pose ideas and questions that cause curiosity, that cause students to want to dig deeper. I can think about how to frame my lessons in a way that gets kids curious. And I can also think about how do I frame my lessons in a way that provides relationship building experiences, that provide peer learning experiences, that allow students to understand that I want to build a relationship with them so that they can trust me as a student and I can work with them as their facilitator. You know, those are the three things that Facebook is building on their platform. How can I use that in my classroom to build a more sticky learning environment? How could I bring more visuals in and maybe ex have that FOMO experience? So getting kids pumped up about an upcoming project or idea that's that's happening, right? How can I maybe limit? I love using um, the Twitter platform, that idea, um, as part of a bell ringer idea where I ask students, okay, tell me your definition of creativity in 120 characters or less, 
right? And then make that into a visual or and have everybody kind of put it out there very quickly and then adjust. So again, you can use the the core tenets of an of a platform and bring them into your classroom in an exciting way. That's exactly what artists do and you can do it too for your classroom learning experience. And third, please don't be afraid of innovation. Innovation is going to ruffle some feathers. It's just, it's the nature of the game, right? It's going to make you feel alone (laughs) and that's okay. You're a trailblazer and that means it's going to get uncomfortable. And I tell our certification students all the time, you've got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable for a while because it's the only way that you'll grow. So if you're serious about making your classroom someplace that is engaging for students, that gets them excited, that gets them wanting to come into your your classroom no matter where it is, and are totally invested and engaged in what you're doing, you're going to have to innovate that learning experience. And yes, it's going to look different than the other learning experiences that your other teachers in your building are doing. And they're going to ask questions or they're going to think that you're kind of like off your rocker and they're going to go their way and feel like, oh, there's crazy Susan again. She's off on her, you know, that's okay. You can't be afraid of that. You have to be willing to take on that cloak and walk with it proudly. You are an innovator. So what is a natural way to make this happen? Well, I personally think that there is a an art form out there that none of us are using near enough, and it's called media arts. Now, the National Endowment for the Arts defines media arts as all genres and forms that use electronic media, film, and technology, analog and digital, old and new, as an artistic medium or a medium to broaden arts appreciation and awareness of any discipline. This includes projects presented via film, television, radio, audio, video, the internet, interactive and mobile technologies, video games, immersive and multi-platform storytelling, and satellite streaming. There are so many possibilities in there. When I start naming all of those things, oh my gosh, I'm sure you can start to think of examples of all the ways that media arts can play a role in what we're trying to do. And we can easily connect media arts with STEM to provide both a sticky learning experience and a robust inquiry-driven lesson. So here's a few examples of how I do that. One is podcasting in the classroom. I have an entire post and download an ebook about how to use podcasting in the classroom. I'm linking it in our show notes. I want you to go there and grab it because it walks you through step by step exactly how to use podcasting with your students. So examples for how they can use them to create their own podcasts, examples of podcasts to listen to, examples of how they can share what they've learned via podcasting format. I go into how to use Audacity and GarageBand software, which are both free for your students. Please go to the show notes for today and download that ebook because it's going to save you so much time. But here's the cool part about podcasting in the classroom. It can look different depending on what you're doing, but um, so you could have students listen to podcasts um, instead of listening to a lecture. And oftentimes it's more interesting to them. Um, I love the That's the Way I Heard It podcast from Mike Rowe because uh, he starts, it's they're short 
and they're sweet and they give you background about a historical figure that maybe you weren't aware of. Uh, it's so interesting and well done. Again, that show notes will give you a whole list of other ones that are great for your students to listen to purely in terms of, of something to kind of ingest for their learning. But then the alternate method, which I think is even more powerful, is having them create their own and synthesize their learning in this way. Um, and it's something, it's so powerful for students. Uh, we have an amazing educator on our team, Michelle Simmons, who works out of Florida, who shares an entire session uh, in last summer's online conference about how her students used podcasting in the classroom. And her, her students, uh, many of them come from um, economically disadvantaged backgrounds. And this was something that they just sunk their teeth into. And it helped them so much with their reading and their writing and their social studies um, content areas. So it's just phenomenal. If you haven't tried using podcasting in your classroom before, I would highly suggest it. Another idea is to build a website. So students, now this sounds really intimidating, but honestly, your students will amaze you at how quickly this can happen because there are so many easy tools out there that students can use. For example, Adobe Spark. It's a free platform. Students can build their own website in a matter of minutes using Adobe Spark. Um, Microsoft Sway is another example very similar to Adobe Spark. Again, free. Uh, Google has an entire <laughs> platform that allows students to build their own websites called Google Sites. Um, again, these are not, they're not going to be complicated websites. They're not going to be something that there takes a ton of effort. And if you're working with middle and high school students and are looking for that, there are so many platforms out there that students can use to build their design skills that are also free. For example, WordPress. Every student can create a WordPress site and work on their design skills at the same time, coding and all of that. So building a website can be as simple or as complicated as you want it to be, but you can have students create a website for anything. You can have them create that as a way to present their project. You can have it be the project itself as a way to communicate what it is that they are learning. You can have it be a way to share their speaking and listening skills that we are working on those standards in the ELA standards. So again, building a website using any of those tools uh, is a phenomenal experience for students, and it's something that's way more um, engaging than writing yet another paper. Um, and my third idea here that um, I've seen done multiple times, and I love it every single time, is to host an app mashup contest. So this is where you have students use two apps to create something brand new, um, as a project. So for example, and I'm just kind of pulling this out of my hat, but if they were to use both Instagram and Twitter, and so maybe research something, a, a current movement or whatever on Twitter using a hashtag and find all of the, the um, current discussions about it, or even ask a question on Twitter, and then use Instagram to look up the same kinds of ideas and then pull them together into a finished project of their own that has captioned images that they have created. Um, that's a great idea of how to use an app mashup contest. So you're using the ideas of those platforms and having them create something all on their own that's unique to them. Um, you may not even use those platforms as it is. For, so for example, I know a lot of schools ban things like Instagram or Twitter while on campus. 
but all your students know what those platforms are and how they're essentially used. And you can replicate those, um, those platforms. So for example, if you were looking at tweets, you could ask a question with hashtag, you know, um, social studies class, right? And as students are thinking about those throughout the day, they write their, their comment on a post-it note and just stick it on a specific wall that you have designated for that conversation. And then that becomes your Twitter wall. And as they take pictures with their phones throughout the day, they print them off and they put them in on a different wall. That becomes your Instagram wall. And then you combine those into that mashup. So you don't even need to use the platforms to be able to use the platforms. This is just the tip of the iceberg for creating learning that is relevant, engaging, and meaningful. Because after all that we've learned from the global pandemic, one thing is for sure, for sure. Keeping students and adults engaged online is a challenge but it's not one that we're trying to solve alone. So let's use the work from all around us to build classrooms that reach beyond a set time and place because learning is a constant. Now I'd love to hear your thoughts and your questions and what you've used to make things more engaging for you students about this topic. Remember, you can use the Ask Me Anything button on the podcast page to share with me your ideas and what's bubbling to the surface for you. Just head over to artsintegration.com forward slash spark chasers and you'll find today's show notes. Remember that podcasting in the classroom free ebook download. Definitely go grab that. Um, the contact area and the links for more resources. And if you're enjoying the show and know somebody who could benefit from our discussions, please share the podcast with them because together we can chase the spark of our ideas and make a brighter future for everyone. I'll see you soon. Well, check that off your list, my friends. You just finished another episode of the Spark Chasers podcast. If you want more, head over to artsintegration.com forward slash Spark Chasers for show notes, a space to tell me what you thought of today's show, and links to what we talked about today. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. This helps others find the show so we can all grow and learn together. Can't wait to get together again soon. 